Welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast with Michael B. Ross, a podcast designed to help leaders develop the character, skills, and passion needed to lead fulfilled and impactful lives. Here's Michael. Well, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Michael B. Ross, and I would like to welcome you to the HBK High Performance Podcast. I hope that the sun is shining and the birds are chirping in your life, and I hope all your dreams are coming true. Before we get started today, as I always like to mention, if you hear one good thought, one good phrase, one good quote, or one good idea from this podcast, I would like to ask you to put this thought, phrase, idea, or quote into absolute immediate action. It is the application of our education that makes the biggest difference in our world, and I don't want any of you looking back on your life with regret. So, Take absolute immediate action if anything from this podcast compels you today. Today, you are going to have the genuine privilege to listen to an interview between me and Chris Allegretti, the CEO of HBK. It was very difficult to get some time with Chris set aside to do this, so we had to do it on my cell phone. So the quality of the audio was not as good. However, the quality of the interview is tremendous. So please forgive some of the quality issues as far as the audio, but really lean in and allow the wisdom of Chris Allegretti to sink in to your heart and your mind today. Before we get into the interview, I would love to take a moment and hear a word from our sponsors. Forever Lawn is the premier artificial grass company in the world, and they are looking for dealers near you. If you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or investor looking for a great opportunity in a thriving market, then Forever Lawn is a great fit for you. Visit www.foreverlawn.com and click on the Business Opportunities page today for more information. Okay, so Chris Allegretti is here with us today. Chris, welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a great opportunity for all of us, so wherever you're at, I would ask you to turn up the dial, close all windows, and just take this time to allow Chris to speak wisdom into your life and to tell you a little bit more about his leadership journey and some things he can teach us about leadership. So, Chris... You would tell us about your background in, in leadership and how you've gotten to become CEO of HBK. So, Michael, what I'll say is it's been uh, an accidental journey. It was not my uh, mission the day that I came to HBK to be CEO. Matter of fact, there wasn't a CEO of HBK when I came here. So, like so many others in our organization, I've really had multiple positions here. And one of the cool things about a firm like us is that that's possible here. So we talk a lot about growth and opportunity being synonymous, that if you're in a firm that's growing, that it creates opportunity, and I'm a living example of HBK's growth creating an opportunity for me. So I literally started here as a staff accountant, worked my way through every conceivable position until I became a principal at HBK. But I think my life really took a turn in probably 1999 when HBK as a firm decided that we were going to begin in the wealth services area. And myself, along with Phil Wilson, was asked to sort of see what opportunities existed out there for HBK to get into the wealth management space. And the reality of it is is that uh, HBK did it for one specific reason, is that we felt we had a higher obligation to our clients to holistically serve them. And we knew that that opportunity existed in that space. And frankly, we were aiming at building it better 
So we were seeing our clients getting it elsewhere. What that created for me was an opportunity to sort of deviate from a traditional accounting principal background, and I started really looking at opportunities to build a business. And so in 1999, we started that journey. By 2004, HBKS Wealth, as it's known today, was up and running and prospering, and we were going through some corporate governance planning, and we came to the position that we thought HBK had gotten to a point where it needed a full-time CEO, because at that point, it was really governed by a committee, and that committee also had a full-time job, including clients and everything else. So they came to me and asked me if I would consider being CEO. My, of course, response was no. I enjoyed client interaction, and I was having a ball working with the guys in uh, well. But after a couple more conversations, I determined that, in reality, someone needs to step up here and set a map, uh, a course on the map, and, and pick a direction and start to make sure that we're plotting a course for our firm. So uh, when I say it was accidental, it wasn't my life dream. I enjoyed working with clients very much, and if I miss anything today, the client interaction. But the beauty of it is HBK has grown to where I've got now 70 partners roughly, and I've got all the interaction with highly paid and highly professional people that really bring it on a daily basis. So what I lost in the client interaction, I was able to get back with so many principals, so many talented individuals that I get to interact with on a daily basis. So for me, the journey may have been accidental, but I really believe in my heart that nothing worth achieving is easy. So there was challenges along the way, but I also believe that the power and the opportunity to affect lives is something that you have to take very seriously. So I enjoy, and I mean I really do enjoy, having just a small impact on what people are doing the opportunity for them to create value, the opportunity for them to reach new heights, new levels, and get the things in life that they really sought out to do. So for me, it's an honor, it's a pleasure, and leading others is joyful when you have so many wonderful people that are part of your team. That's fantastic. I love that story of accidental CEO. I think that could be a title of a book, but that's great. Was there anything in you when they asked you the first time after becoming CEO that you said right off the bat, as far as the culture is concerned, that you said, you know what, this really needs, for us to get to where I believe we should be going, this is what really needs to change in this organization for us to get to where I see us. I think one of my many qualities that I get is maybe not a quality is loyalty. And I think the reason that I said no initially is that the thought of somebody stepping out of the partnership and having somebody that sort of sat above the partnership but something that I'm saying, I'm not sure that I really want to do that. I've been partners. I've been friends. I've been coworkers. And now I'm going to sort of say, okay, but to a certain degree now, it's going to funnel up or answer to me. I wasn't sure that I was going to be comfortable being that guy because in reality, that changes dynamics whether you think it does or not. So it wasn't for fear of failure or any of those things because, frankly, I'm not afraid of failure in any way, shape, or form. I believe that the only thing I'm really afraid of is those that stop trying, that don't get out of their comfort zone. For me, it was more just, was I going to get comfortable sort of stepping out of the relationship that I had into that CEO relationship? And I'll be very honest with you. The first thing that I did is that I called the chairman of the American Institute of CPAs and said, you don't know me, but I'm about to go into a, an area that I'm not familiar and I could use a little guidance. So I think I asked him to mentor me. And I think I chose very wisely someone who had risen to the top of our profession. He actually got a kick out of me calling him out of the blue. And so I uh, created a bi-coastal relationship because he was based in Seattle. 
But as chairman of the American Institute of CPAs, he was working out of New York a lot. So I would either go to Seattle and to New York. And we sat and we strategized the changes and the opportunities for our firm. And we, we built a plan. And we did a lot of things. And what he enjoyed and what I enjoyed is that we built a plan. We executed on that plan. We would update that plan. And we'd go back and revisit that plan. And until he retired about four or five years ago, I worked closely with him. That's fantastic. So that lesson is so important, you know, mentorship and having someone that is teaching you what they know. What's a message for leaders out there that think they know everything now? Because as a CEO of a company, a very large organization that you've been a big part of helping to grow, there's so many people out there get to your position saying, you know what, I'm good. I don't need to grow anymore. And I've heard it many times with leaders. What would you say to somebody like that from your position? Stop thinking that way. Because really, I mean, if you look at what Maxwell talks about as far as levels of leadership, the title is the lowest level. If you're getting people to lead you because you're, quote, unquote, their supervisor, their COO, their manager, they're following you or taking direction from you because the job implies that they have to do it. But really, as far as leadership, that's probably the lowest level of leadership. And that is where you think the title gives you some sort of entitlement. It really doesn't. When you can take that title and then get people to follow you and work with you because you've demonstrated that it's in their best interest to do so, that you can take them to higher levels, that you are not just self-interested, but interested in moving the organization as a whole. I think there's a whole other level of leadership there that you should aspire to get to beyond just saying, I'm CEO, listen to me because I'm CEO. That to me is like the lowest level that people should buy into. And I think Ultimately, as CEO, you have an obligation to develop others and to lead others, and that doesn't stop when you get the title. As a matter of fact, I would say it only ramps up from that day forward. I've heard you say a couple times that culture eats vision for breakfast. Talk to me a little bit more about that and how important organizational culture is and how you've taken an active role in making sure that the culture is healthy at HVK so the environment is conducive to growth. I say that often, and I believe it, because, you know, when I talked a little bit earlier about developing a strategic plan, you know, you can pay people to come in and work with you, and you can develop a strategic plan, and again, we did it. It was color-coded. It was nice. It was beautiful, many pages long, but ultimately, and I've said this to you in the past, that execution is the power of the plan. You can put what you want on paper, but if you're not willing to go through the sacrifices of change to execute, then the plan itself really isn't going to come and it's not going to work out for you. So when I say that culture eats vision for lunch, that is, to me, people have to know where you're going. And, you know, we've got a vision and a strategy. But ultimately, it comes down to the people buy into it. Do they see it as in their best interest? Do they really buy into the day-to-day passion that it's required to build an organization? Because in reality, there's competition everywhere. You just can't be average in this world and expect to rise to the highest level. So that's where the culture, the culture of saying we go beyond just the basics, that we have a passion about client service, that we have a passion about changing lives, whether they're here at HBK or more importantly in many ways, is the people at HBK taking care of our clients. That's to me is a cultural thing. That cultural aspect crept into everything, including the kind of people that we recruit and retain here. They have to see beyond the basics. They have to embrace the culture of saying that we have an obligation to our clients to help them see the things that they don't see. 
And that is probably going to go beyond a conversation of next month's quarterly estimates or financial reporting or whatever. It's truly getting inside clients' mind and helping them reach whatever targets those clients have sent. And that means culture. That's not just strategy. That goes beyond a pretty placard on the wall that says, here's our strategy. Having said that, that's one thing I notice about HBK is people live this culture to where they will go above and beyond for their clients. And that was something I really noticed because I became a client before I became a part of the team. And the way that the people inside the organization work here is so much different. So that culture of it being a part of their identity, it seems you guys have done a fantastic job. What would you tell another leader out there that is struggling with growth and they want to get over the hump and let's say they've been static for the last five years, numbers pretty much flat and even, and they're saying, I'm going to break out of this hump. Chris, help me. What would you tell a person who's in that situation right now? Well, I would say that probably if they're caught in a pattern, what's not changed? You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if they've plateaued, I think that uh, I had this conversation yesterday, frankly, with another CPA firm, and they were, they were worried about plateauing themselves. And frankly, as an organization, they're slightly bigger than our organization. But I told them, if you're plateauing, the great time to sort of gather the troops and have a good session of where we are, how we got here, and if we want things to change in the way of growth or any other areas, what are we willing to change to make sure that that happens? So if you've plateaued, if you've hit a wall or a glass ceiling that I've said in many ways, that's not a failure. Uh, the failure would be to address not how you break out of it. And so life's not easy. If it's worth achieving, it's probably not going to be easy. So what people don't do often enough is to slow down. I know back in the 80s, I had hats made up. And on one side of the hat, it said in, and on the back side of the hat, it said on. So it's not very sophisticated. It said in, and the other side said on. I would give it to clients and say, listen, you're so busy working in your business. I need you to, for a moment, as CEO of your company, slow down, and we need to work on your business because we're just reacting to what life's bringing us versus us taking it to life. And that is a mindset. So if you hit a wall, I'd first say, you know what? Recognize that you hit a wall. And I say, okay, how do we plot around getting around this wall? That's fantastic. I love, I love the hat. I love the idea of working on your business versus in your business, how important that is for all of us. Chris, talk about the growth of HVK, if you will. And have you been surprised by it? Is it something that you planned out? Is it something that is manifested from something you planned 10 years ago and the rest of the partners and team? Talk about the growth, because it is significant. If you would talk a little bit about what has happened and then a little bit about some of the internal working strategies of how you guys have done this. So I guess you'll have to endure a quick story. Sure. And that is, um, the reality of it is, is that with the help of many people, including we had a strategic planning committee before I took this job, we started to envision what we wanted our firm to look like. And I think that to reach a destination, you kind of got to know where you're trying to go, right? You just can't get in the car and start driving. You got to, are you heading south, east, west? Where are you really going? So I'll just remember in those days, I remember the first meeting that I ran as CEO. Before anybody got into the room, the partners, I had put Jim Collins, good to great, on the desk. 
And it was really easy for me to say, listen, I need you all to get on the bus or to a certain degree, I'm going to need you to get off the bus because the bus is pulling out and we're about to build the firm of the future. And I say this often to our people that they have an obligation not to be quiet, an obligation to speak up because the reality of it is that the firm of the future is going to be built. And we have a long history. I mean, we're a 70-plus year firm which means that we're stewards, right? I'm here for a while, and the next person's going to take this and carry the firm on and reach new heights. But they have an obligation to make sure that we continue to build the firm that others want to lead. So I take you back to that first meeting, and the reason I did it is that our growth really started with us getting small, because through the Jim Collins sort of philosophy of get on the bus or get off the bus, we got a bunch of people off the bus initially. We withdrew from a couple markets because we didn't feel like what they wanted to achieve and what we wanted to achieve were really meshing very well. So we took a step back, and then we really put together what we consider our people, firm, clients, and growth strategy. We defined the kind of people that we wanted. We defined what the firm needed to do to support those people. We talked about what kind of clients fit best into our firm. And if we thought if we got the people right, the firm strategies right, and we went after and had the right conversations with the right kind of clients, that that would naturally lead to what? Growth. So people for our clients' growth were sort of bedrocks of our organization. But if I ever show you, and you've probably seen the HPA pyramid, on the base of the pyramid, it, it is culture. So pyramids is something, and again, for you basketball fans out there, and I know you are one, Coach Wooden used pyramids in all of his teachings, and frankly, that's where I stole that from. I was reading John Wooden's coaching philosophies book at the time. So the growth hasn't been accidental. It always comes with attracting the right people to our organization. So we've had internal organic growth. We've had non-organic growth, and even that or non-organic growth has a strategy around it. We don't we don't acquire firms or merge firms in just because we want to get bigger. What I'm most proud of is our growth is that we've done it, and we've done it while improving our culture, not diluting our culture. So it's been, in many ways, organic, non-organic, but the non-organic has even been strategic in what we've gone after because ultimately anything that we look at as a firm, we have to challenge ourselves and say, how does that make us better, not just bigger? How does it make us better? That is fantastic. I hope all of you out there are planning on listening to this a second time, and I would highly recommend you grab a notebook and you treat this as a mentoring session with Chris. It's not easy to get access to somebody with this kind of wisdom and this kind of experience that can share their stories with us this way. So I want to make sure that all of you take the time to listen to this a second time Get all the notes that you can from this and then put into practice what you're learning from Chris because this is great wisdom today. Chris, as far as practical discipline, something that I've had mentors tell me over the years that discipline is the key to success, that a few simple disciplines repeated every day will equal success. What are some disciplines that leaders need to have embedded into their life? I think that leaders, first of all, when I talk about leadership, I think the first thing that comes out of me is compassion and empathy. Because if you're going to go beyond that first level of leadership, hey, I'm CEO and you're going to do it because I'm telling you, that compassion and empathy for people is going to get them to buy into why you're asking them to do something. Because you're asking them, a CEO, to to do something. And the reality of it is, if you've taken the time to get them to understand why it's in their best interest and in our firm's best interest that we do these things, 
that that is an important aspect of leading and getting people to come with you because they have that respect. You've built that rapport and respect with them. But ultimately, for me, what I spend an enormous amount of time doing and talking about is the reality that change is uncomfortable. And I think that most people are comfortable with change as long as it's for the other people. It's when it starts to hit home that change gets a little uncomfortable. And I believe in my heart that the enemy of progress is complacency and being totally satisfied with where you are. So whether it's go back and revisit Who Moved My Cheese, which is an old book, but in many ways is a few-minute read, the world is changing, and they say the speed of change is never going to be slower than it is today. So I'll say it again. The speed of change is never going to be slower than it is today. And so one of the things that I spend a particular amount of time is talking about how's technology going to change the world? How's technology going to change our firm, our industry? And how do we make change in technology our friend and our ally, which means our service mix, how we provide services, the technology that we deploy is probably going to change but that's going to free us up and give us time to do other high-value things that clients would want us to get involved with. So for me, it's about never really being complacent. There's always a nervous energy about me that I'm always looking to say, what's next? Because if it's become too easy or too routine, I feel like I'm coasting, and that's just not my personality. That is so good. So Chris, I appreciate you coming on today, and we're, we're almost at time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to just free speak. If there's anything that you feel, you know, the greater public out there uh, would need to know about leadership, about HBK, about you personally, if there's any tips or anecdotes you'd like to pass on before we call it quits today, is there anything you'd like to say? Again, I could probably talk for another hour or two on this, so I'll just say that I'd like to leave an email or two with one saying, and that is, the future is ours to create. And I really do believe that. So if you're listening to this, I guess I'll just say is challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to say that am I leading the life that I want to live? Am I growing a tree or am I growing an orchard? And to me, what has been the most fun in my life is being part of growing the orchard. That was a much bigger calling than just growing my tree. So for those of you out there that think leadership is part of maybe your future or or frankly, if you're just a link in a chain, which we all are. I would just encourage you to think about the other links and think about how we all interact. But that is that interaction. It's the cooperation. It's the cohesive strategy. And frankly, I know that, Michael, you have an athletic background. I I did too. To me, this is really so much about that eighth grade basketball team and the teamwork that it takes to really execute and, and to be flawless. So I would encourage you never to stop investing in yourself, that life is a journey. And I always tell people, play it hard. Play it hard. Couldn't say it better. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, and hopefully we get to do it again. Hopefully we'll do it again. Thank you, Michael. All right. Well, make sure that you listen to this time and time again. I would put this somewhere in your archives where you go back and listen to this multiple times over. Take notes. Put into practice what Chris is telling you so that you don't live your life with regret. I look forward to talking to you next time on the HBK High Performance Podcast. Be sure to take immediate action on the ideas that compelled you from today's podcast. For information about the courses, resources, and services available from HBK High Performance, 
visit hbkln.com.